Up next on Inside the SCCA, the fast line at Road Atlanta. On this episode of Inside the USC, the SCCA, I can't even figure out the name of my own show. Inside the SCCA, getting ready for the Road Atlanta round of the Hoosier Racing Tire SCCA Super Tour. Our guest is none other than uh, Bailey Monet. How are you, Bailey? Doing, buddy. I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Welcome to the show. Did I pronounce your name properly? Yeah, uh, well, Bailey Monet. Monette. So, yes, See, sir. You know, those sir. are the things that I should ask before we get started. Oh, <laughs> uh, no. It happens a lot, so no stress. No stress. I love it. I love it. So welcome to the show. Um, I'm so glad you're able to join us um, because we've been doing these shows um, before each of the Super Tours. And uh, the goal of the show is to talk about how to get around Road Atlanta quickly. That's one of the goals. And uh, to talk about, you know, the track and the Super Tour and all that kind of stuff. So I'm, I'm real excited about that and um, really happy to have you here with us. And the one of the reasons why you're here is because, first of all, you're from Atlanta. Second of all, you're the reigning FE2 national champion. So my guess is you know a little bit about how to get around Road Atlanta, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, it's my home track. So I have, if not a thousand laps, very close to it. So, so um, a thousand laps. Yeah, that's that's my go-to track. I've been racing that track for some years now, and uh, you know it's, it's cost efficient because it's right around the corner sure. from home. So, sure. And we, and me and my father all love it. So, um, before we get deep into the show, I, I start all the shows the same way. You're 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 a youngster. Um, and, uh, we all have different stories of how we got involved with the show. How did you get involved with motorsports? What, what, how did it start for you? Uh, so a little bit of background on me. Um, so I'm actually adopted and I'm one of, uh, 30 children that my parents had. They had three biological and 27 adopted, but what I'm wow. getting at is, yeah, my father, um, he's always been into racing. He did circle track early on and then uh he moved to road racing but definitely my father he's always had a knack for it and i guess i just picked that up from him so we all have a dad story you know uh not all of us but a lot of us do uh how we got messed up doing this um (laughs) and uh uh you know for a lot of people it's dad you know there's a lot of other a couple of other ways that i hear about it uh you know friends got you hooked on it or whatever the case may be um, so when was your first, you know, time in any kind of competitive situation? Was it carts? What was it? It was uh, quarter midgets. Okay. The little parts that, you know, can only turn left. Yeah, yeah. God forbid you turned right. <laughs> yeah, right's bad in a quarter midget. Oh, yeah, some funky things would happen. <laughs> so what, um, how long did you do that? So I did that for about two to three years. Uh, and did a lot of practicing and then uh, moved into Legends cars. That was back when we did circle track stuff before Dad had made the switch over. So. Okay. Okay. Now, where did you do quarter midges, like Lanier Speedway? What was the – where did you do those? There's a little track in uh, North Georgia. There's a city named Cumming, and it was a little Cumming fairground. It was a little circle track. Um, wasn't big, wasn't much, but it was a lot of fun. 
how, a lot of fun. How old were you when you were doing the quarter midgets? Uh, about eight to nine years old. Okay. So, man, that's a long time ago, ain't it? About 20 years, 19 years ago. Okay. So you're 30 now? Uh, just about. I'm 27. So okay. 27. 27. Still, still a youngster. Still a youngster. I'm always. So when did you go from when did you go from um, that? What was your next step out of quarter midgets? Was the Legends cars? So I never did any like uh, Thursday night thunders or anything. I just made some laps and did some practicing, and then that's when Dad made the road course adjustment where he went from circle to road racing. And so I actually took the SECA, uh, what do you call it, license thing, then the school at Roblin Road, and about when I was fourteen years old. And I used the Legends card, and then we had to we ran it in the class at SPU, and um, that's just kind of where it all began. Yeah, a lot of people might not realize that there is a place in the club for the Legends cars. Uh, what was it like coming out in S? In, was SPU? Yeah, uh, well, we were the car wasn't really as uh, let's just say the BOP and the performance just wasn't there compared to like some of the other cars. And Jim Kellogg was in SPU at that time. You know, he was the man to beat. So a Legends car compared to his little baby grand build was like night and day difference. But, you know, it was a good learning experience. And the road courses were really tough on the Legends cars, especially long back stretches like Road Atlanta, just, just rang the motor. It's pretty tough on them. Right. I, I can imagine. Was it also a problem getting them set up? Because those cars are also kind of meant to go left, 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 right? Yeah, for the most part. Um, we kind of just went with a basic setup. At that time, I wasn't really chasing tents. I was still a youngster. I wasn't, I wasn't, you know, really reached my peak yet or, you know, racing too fast. I had to learn. So we just kind of went with a basic setup and just kind of got me in the groove of racing and having cars next to you and flags and the ins and outs of what goes into the whole sport. Sure, sure. So, um, and this was your first Your first school was at Rebling Road, right? Yes, sir. And then from there, where did you go with stuff? From there, I went to where well, I couldn't. I, I jumped from car to car, so I wouldn't really. I, the orders kind of can jumble, but I did some prototypes. I went into a Radical at one point. Oh, I, wow. I did H Production front wheel drive Mini Cooper. I uh, got into a Panos car, um, for the old Esperanto uh, GT2 car for you know a little bit and uh then i got into a store p2 which i ran with critter uh, who runs you know SCCA events um and i ran with him for a few years and then made the jump to fe2 or fe which then became fe2 yeah i've got a little video here of you in in the fe2 cars that i'm showing at the moment um so was dad's background in circle track or was dad's background in other stuff Dad's background, yes, was in uh, circle track. He did uh, the petty school and stuff like that. He had uh, roadsters. He's had, you know, baby grands. He had some stock cars and stuff like that. Uh, he was always at Atlanta Motorsports. Uh, I mean, yeah, Atlanta Motorsports Speedway, like the Speedway. My bad. Kind of had a little hiccup there. That's kinda. okay. That's all right. Um, but yeah, he just used to do the Thursday night thunders and I used to remember driving up there and then having late night drives back and just listening to old eighties and stuff like that. Fleetwood Mac and the Eagles. So good times, good, good memories, good, right? Great memories. Yeah. Good music too. So nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. 
So um, you are um, something that we don't have a lot of in the SCCA. Uh, you're young, but you're also a person of color. Um, wh- what has the, uh, the, the response been in the paddock um, when you've come to our races? Because we, we, we don't see a lot of people of color with us. Um, some people complain that we are a very white organization. Um, have you had any, um, uh, have you been welcomed pretty openly when you've been at the track, hopefully? Absolutely. Actually, to me, like, I don't think anybody saw color. Everybody at SCCA has been very welcoming. I mean, whether it's the class I ran in or just meeting other people in classes, you know, I've never even driven. Just very welcoming. It feels like a family and stuff like that. I always looked forward to the SCCA uh, races, bigger, small regionals or super tours and nationals. I always look forward to it because it always just was like a break from reality, a little breath, uh, breath of fresh air, you know, hanging around with people with the same uh, shared passion. But um, I never, I never felt that way. I've had a a handful of people tell me I'm breaking barriers uh, with that being, you know, the colored in, in a world, in a sport that's, you know, can be dominated by, you know, a certain race and a certain ethnicity. Right. Um, but, you know, like I've always said, once that helmet goes on, we're, you know, you can't tell who's male or female. You can't tell who's, you know, white, Asian or, you know, you can't tell the ethnicity. You just just appreciate the sport and, you know, you judge off of who's good, who's bad, who wrecks, you know, it's, who's got the cool colors and whatnot. So Nothing wrong with that. So. Not at- so um, at you were last year's FE2 national champion. So um, there, there's definitely a skill level there. Um, there's definitely a competency there. At what point coming up did you realize you were pretty good at this? Um, I would say FE2 and FE. So a couple years ago, I always knew I was good. But then it, it just took a matter of getting around the right environment and the right team. And, you know, because there's a lot that goes into sport, as we all know. So when I got with Kevin and Comfort from Athens and, and got into the FE class and, you know, started chasing setups, starting really looking at data. Once I had all those aspects and things around me and to, like, feed off and bounce back off of, I could start really chasing tens and thousands. Um, it's just always been a dream of mine. So, you know, I was never going to give up. Um, even when I raised P2, you know, pre- previous to FE, when I was with Critter, I just didn't have, you know, the motor, the big Hayabusa and all that stuff. But it got to the point where, you know, I was even, you know, instructed and told that I was out driving the car. And like, you know, I had reached its max potential. So about four or five years ago, I started to see new heights in racing, new successes. Now, when did you start? When was your first FE2 race? My first FE2 race. So I've been in FE2 for two years, and I joined FE. So I guess the last year that FE existed okay. was was my beginning in that, that path of formula stuff. Um, a big difference between quarter midgets and FE2, right? <laughs> Absolutely. I think it takes a little more skill because, you know, you have – turns of all degree and and shapes and lengths and all that stuff. So you gotta you gotta do twelve turns consistently and 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 try to be as consistent as possible. Like don't get it twisted. Circle tracking does take talent, but to just have to keep doing the same thing for thirteen or seventeen or 
12 or whatever amount of turns with all you know degrees and elevation and stuff like that it it takes some talent it takes some commitment and endurance a little bit that's so. great yeah no it's true so uh since your dad's got the background in circle track when you started coming over to do road racing um did you get a coach um besides because i know you did the secca schools but you know the secca schools really are meant to teach you how to be safe they aren't necessarily meant to teach you how to go fast. So um, did you work with some coaches with the teams you were, you were racing with? So when I first began, I actually ran with my uh, family uh, in the Legends car and early in my career. And no, they, they, they enjoy the sport and they love the sport, but it's more of a hobby. While they all do want to win and they've had their successes in road racing too, they just didn't really go the full nine yards with setups and looking at breaks and looking at datas of laps and stuff like that and rewatching videos. So when I went to Critter and then Comprint the last, you know, six or seven years is when I really started breaking into that, you know, in-depth side of racing. What was the hardest thing for you to get used to when you went and did the, um, when you made that switch over to road racing? Um, wow, that's a good question. Um, wow, that's a good question. I would say just um, learning how to keep momentum, mid-corner rolling speeds, stuff like that. You know, really, you know, really developing that butt feel, as they say. Um, you know, in some turns like South Bend at, you know, VIR or turn one in the FE2 at Road Atlanta is quite, quite exhilarating. So just, just developing that butt feel and, and getting a sense of consistency. So you, you mentioned earlier that your dad and, and you know, you're adopted with a ton of um, foster kids in the family. Do they all go racing? Is everyone have their own thing? How many it's expensive. If you want got 27 kids, you want to go racing. Yeah. <laughs> um, so everybody does their own thing. Okay. My parents are very supportive, whatever you want to do, whatever dream you have to chase, They'll help you in any way they can, you know, and do the best they can and stand behind you. But there's just, uh, it started off at four of us, myself, Zach Monet, my father, and Paige Monet. But uh, sadly, Paige Monet, uh, my sister, uh, hung her helmet up a few okay. years ago. So it's just three of us. Okay. Um, and so let's move forward to last season. Um, I know sure. you were at... Um, you were at Indianapolis at the runoffs, right? <laughs> All right, let's let's start there because that reaction, I love that reaction. Um, there's a story there. T tell us your story about the runoffs at Indianapolis. Uh, so that one was actually the year, like that was the one that got away, as you could say. Um, so I was picked as the sports car cover boy just the month before the September, I believe the September, October issue or the August, September issue. And um, so we get out there. I've never been to Indy. It was my first runoffs in, it was my second runoffs in FE2. And I had qualified well, I was up front and had all the pressure and whatnot and uh, was running well. And I ran a little wide in one of the turns. I forgot, I think five or something. Honestly, a little backstretch. I forgot the turn number and I uh, ended up spinning out um stayed straight kept her going but i dropped down to i believe like 13th or 14th and i fought back to fourth um but uh yeah that one bit at me uh to be honest there was a couple there were some moments where like when i got back home and 
was preparing preparing for the next season where like on the off season like it bit at me pretty sad there's moments I broke down just because I realized you know things don't always go as planned and something sometimes it turns left but um yeah that one hurt that one really really hurt so but there's a good story (laughs) what what did uh, so so it hurt you had some hard moments thinking about it in the off season the first race of 2022 though you, you do you put that in the back mirror? Do you put that, you know, behind you as soon as you get back on the racetrack? Yeah, I did. Um, well, actually, you know what? Honestly, I carried that with me. Okay. Um, because I always wanted to be – I've always loved the SCCA. There's, I've always um, knew that there was a high respect on and understanding that, like, the runoffs is a hard – like, you can do well all season long, but really in the end it comes down to that one race, and it's a very highly respected race. And – and I always wanted to be a runoffs national champion. And so I did race with that. I, I tried to remove the chip off my shoulder and just race with using that as motivation instead of, you know, holding a grudge. And it worked out, you know, the last two seasons have been really well. Like the NDCs last year, 2021 was the points championship. And then 2022 uh, almost won the triple crown, was two points shy. But yeah, things went really well. All right, before we go too deep into 2022, um, we're going to take a break here. Uh, but before we do that, I want to remind you that there are guys and gals out there who have been to the runoffs a lot of times and have never finished on a podium. So, you know, uh, take that and put that in the back of your mind, too, about how hard it is to win an SCCA national championship. It is not an easy feat. So um, there's no there's no shame in finishing second at the or fourth at the runoffs. So um, if that were the best you had ever done, it's not that I hate to tease deep ahead. But if that were the best you'd ever done, there's no shame at finishing fourth at the runoffs. So all right, let's do this. Let's take a quick break, and then when we come back, we're going to talk about your 2022 season, um, your 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 run at VIR. Um, and then we'll also get into um, talking about Road Atlanta and how to get around Road Atlanta fast. We'll do that when we come back. This is Inside the SCCA. Stay with us. Welcome back to Inside the SCCA. I'm Brian Belansky. My guest this evening, Bailey Bennett, 2022 FE2 SCCA national champion does it ever get hold old hearing that no it doesn't it really <laughs> doesn't and it's some things like that never settle so i think it as time goes on it just keeps hitting me that's awesome that's yeah. awesome all right so coming off of indy got that chip on your shoulder a little bit kind of using that as motivation uh to to get out get after it in 2022 um how did your 2022 season go um, so 2022, I won the June sprints at Road America, um, started rough early in the season in, um, Miami, uh, kind of got into, I got wadded up by another accident, sadly on the front stretch. So that, you know, um, sacrificed and took away the first couple rounds. But after that, it was smooth sailing, went to Pittsburgh, held my own and, uh, went to the June sprints, held my own, rode Atlanta super tours and did well. Um, nothing crazy there, just, you know, good performances and collecting points. Uh, won the June sprints and, you know, stayed in the car to stay fresh and hit the road for the runoffs back in October. So, 
and you, you do all this with a full-time job, right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. What 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 uh, what 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 pays the bills? Uh, what pays the bills is I'm actually a project manager for the city of Brookhaven, so I'm contracted with the city to do parks and recs and right-of-ways and road work. So we'll we'll do anything from big and small, like constructing new roads and paving to cutting grass all the way down to just picking up trash, just keeping the city pretty, you know, and helping it develop. Nothing, so. nothing wrong with that. All right, so VIR. Um, we, we talked about VIR and the runoff so many times on the show since October. Um, it, it, there was nothing <laughs> easy about anything that happened at VIR. You know, maybe qualifying days were easy, but once race day got here, got there, I mean, it was a legit hurricane. I guess it was, I guess it was a a legit tropical storm by the time it got to us. But I mean, did you ever race in anything crazy like that before? Um, As far as no, those tricky conditions where it was just unpredictable, like absolutely not. I've raced in the rain, but you kind of knew what you were getting, you know, but with that, like during the race, for instance, it was just light. It would lighten up, and then it would just get just crazy. And then the wind. No, I haven't. Honestly, I've never raced in in condition in a tropical storm before. <laughs> now, <laughs> w- w- what day was your race? Do you remember which day it was? Was it Friday? Sunday. We were the second to last race of the, okay. the whole event. Okay, so I think Sunday was probably the best weather of the three days. Um, it, it, but but it wasn't easy because. Some guys, it depends on when you were. You, you thought maybe you should go out on dries or maybe you should go out on intermediates or full wets, and it was a difficult decision to make. And obviously, once the decision's made, you're stuck with it. Um, what was your setup when you went out? Um, so we definitely ran rains. Okay. Um, I got to the track that morning and was just kind of loosening up, talking to the guys, just trying to get my mind right. And it kind of cleared up, and it was just foggy and gray, you know, you know, kind of damp on the road and then the pit roads and stuff like that. And then it started raining about a few races before mine. And so we threw on the reins and we made some adjustments to the rear wing and, and some other things. And then uh, that's when I just really had to step aside and, and get my mind right. Right. So, so by the time it got to your race, I guess it was wet enough where it really wasn't a, a tough choice to go reins, right? Absolutely. It was definitely a wet, a wet ordeal. All right, so tell me about the race. Where did you start? Started third. Okay. I started. So. And if I remember correctly, you marched to the front pretty quick. Uh yeah, I uh so I dropped back early in the race cuz uh, I wanted to get a feel for the track. Um it was pretty I wanted to get a feel for the track and I realized it was a marathon not a sprint even though that's kind of coincidence cuz it is a sprint <laughs> race. I knew I had plenty of time and plenty of laps to figure it out and there was a wreck early on, so I dropped back to about fourth or fifth, and there was a wreck early on, and jumped back up to second or something. Yeah, I was a fourth, and jumped up to second, and um, just held my own. Uh, Jason Conto was the leader at the time. He was he's a quick rookie. He was a rookie last year. He was very quick. Um, but there's I put a little sticker on my dashboard that says patience, you know. And my dad, I talked to my dad before the race because I told him I was like. You know, Dad, I, I really need this. I really want this. This would help, you know, the resume. This would help, you know, any move I want to make in the future to hopefully get to the next level. And he just said, just patience. He said, let the race come to you. I said, there's a lot that's going to go on due to the weather. 
And so I think patience is what really got me through that race. Um, but definitely, you know, going into the race, I was nervous. Uh, and I knew deep down, like, I really, really wanted it. I mean, it just ate, it ate at my belly that morning. It ate at my chest. And uh, I just knew I wanted it. So patience paid off. Um, and just keeping it clean, keeping it on the track, and just keeping as much pace and consistency as possible. Did you did you have any offs during during the race? I did not. Okay. I did not. Close one that that yeah, almost you know. You had one big moment though, didn't you? Because I remember that. Um, the I thought maybe it wasn't you. Maybe I don't know. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember. I mean, because it was just so tough. Yeah, it was tough. There was a lot going on. A lot of, you know, it was a wild race. It was a wild race. So it, it, it might have been one of those things where you had a moment that we could see, but you probably didn't feel it that much in the car because it was like a, probably a thousand different little moments in that race. Yeah. Well, if that's the case, I'm glad it worked out that way. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely. All right. So you're in the closing laps, getting ready to 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 make that final run to the finish line. Did Indy pop up in your head at all during that race, or did you be able to block that out? Or in the last couple of laps, did it was Indy back there in your head? Um, I would say for the last half of the race, Indy was in my in my head. Um, so Jason Condo had gone off about the tenth lap, or you know, near the end, and I went through turn one and I saw him to my left coming to rejoin the track, and I knew, oh, you've got the lead. Yeah. You know, like you're here now, buddy. Like, um, and so from there it, it was just keep doing the same thing, communicate with the team, have them, you know, watch timing and race monitor and all that. We had spotters in different places and let them tell me where, you know, I'm strong and where I'm weak and just, just survive and be smart and to not get too greedy. And it like patience, it just, it just worked out. It really, really did. So who's who's in your headset on race day? That day it was Tanner Wiggins, so Comfort and from Athens and Kevin uh, Clover, but it was Kevin Clover, Tanner Wiggins, and uh, Kevin's son Matt. Cool. So cool. they're in different spots, all just helping out. So so Dad's not on the headsets during the races. No, Dad. Uh, Dad um, knew how much it meant to me, and he didn't. He didn't try to give me too much advice or be over my shoulder, looking over, you know, over my shoulder too much. He, he wanted to just give me bits of advice and he, he put his trust in me, put his faith in me and uh, it worked out. It really did. It was special. You know, there's, there's two, there's two schools of thought on that one, you know, dads have a hard time stepping away. So kudos to dad for <laughs> thinking, thinking bigger than dad. Um, and a lot of times, you know, dads and, and siblings or any kind of, relationship family thing in the headset can be can be tough you know and uh you know there are times when i've i've heard um you know the the back and forth between you know some sort of a family relationship and i i say to myself they've got to get someone else on the headsets you know someone who who doesn't who isn't quite as invested in and the person who's behind the wheel because you get emotional and, and the person who's behind the wheel doesn't need to hear that emotion. They need steady state. Tell me what's going on. Give me the facts. And because if they get emotional, then you could get emotional. So, you know, that's a, a great move on all of your parts to, to nothing against dads. Um, but yeah, good, good move. 
Yeah, I agree. Uh, that was actually dad's move was to to join and work with them. Um, but I definitely agree with what you said. It yeah. can definitely raise tensions. Yeah. And then some people, it works out great. You know, you look at Colton Herta and his dad, you know, Colton Herta has a lot of success with that in a headset, you know, Mm -hmm. but uh, I would suggest that that doesn't work out more often than it does. So, all right, let's get to to talking about road Atlanta this weekend. Um, You're not going to be racing. So, um, which is, which is, you tell me that's going to be tough for you. You're going to be there, but you're not going to be in the car. We're going to talk about why you're not going to be in a car after our next break. I, that's, that's going to be how we're going to end the show because I'm real excited for you and I can't wait to talk about it. Um, but, um, but you're not going to be in the car. How hard is that going to be to be at a super tour race at your home track with a thousand laps in and to be helping out other people? Uh, it's a bittersweet. Like I said, when we get to the bit of news later, um, I think it'll be fun. I'll get to see everybody. I'll get to hang out and just kind of kick, you know, kick back and relax. I'll be doing some tires and some fuel runs for my father and my brother, but it'd be nice just to kind of watch from the outside in and cut some jokes, keep people laughing and crack a, uh, crack a Coca-Cola and have some good food and just, just enjoy the sport as a spectator around my friends and family who all, you know, and I love the SEC guys. I love that whole paddock. And I've gotten to know a lot of those guys. So it'll be fun. It'll be fun. I'll be all right. All right. So I got some laps around Road Atlanta. Um, not nearly as many as you. I used to live down there. And uh, so I, I, I've done some stuff down there. I don't have a thousand laps. Let me put it out there. And I'm nowhere near as fast as you were. So that's why I'm not giving the tutorial on how to go fast around Road Atlanta. Um, but there are some keys there. Let's go through it. Um, if you want to go fast at Road Atlanta, give us the give us the top three keys to going fast at Road Atlanta. Commitment. I think it's a very committed track. I think uh, turn one, turn three, turn five, and turn six all have higher rolling speeds and mid-corner rolling speeds than most people give it credit for. Uh, like I said, relating it to the FE2, uh, turn one is just a brush on the brakes just enough to get that gear down and you're back on, you're back on full throttle. Um, the, you know, most cars can hit turn threes, gator back the right one on the right side pretty hard. I realized that even in the FE2, I could, I could smack it pretty well. Um, and there's compression in, there's enough, there's a decent amount of compression going into turn five that it almost helps set the rear end on the car. And there's banking at turn six there's a little bit of banking on turn six that'll help, you know, help you kind of be able to keep more momentum, but it's very, it's a track where you have to be committed in, in multiple places. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it takes a couple of laps. Turn five takes a couple of laps to realize you can really go hard in there because it doesn't make any sense. Visually, yeah. it makes zero sense, you know? <laughs> um, and I don't think I ever did it right. I don't think I ever really got in there to the point where the car would have done something stupid because I didn't have, I didn't have the guts to do it. I don't think. Um, and six, you're right. There's that little bit of banking there, which, which is tough because it, 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 it takes you almost too much speed into seven. Cause if you don't hit seven, right, it is a long ways to turn 10 with a lot of cars going past you. Right. Yeah. So exactly. You actually, uh, a good point is, Another uh, two more hints would be be patient and set yourself up going into seven quite well. Um, I give slow and fast out there for me. Is Absolutely. that that's why that's how I face seven. 
because like you said, it pays off all the way down that, I think it's a mile long backstretch. Um, and then 10A and 10B, uh, um, yeah, yeah, 10A and 10B at the end of the backstretch, go ahead and set your, once you get to 10A, go ahead and set your car up, or yeah, 10A, go ahead and set your car up and be patient there, you know, but don't, don't wait, spend too much time, but definitely set up for 10B because like you said, it sets up for all the way down, back down to uh, turn one at the end of the front stretch. So, well, there's that, and you om- you have to th- throw away 10A because yes. if you yeah. don't do 10B right, not only, and you don't realize it, it's it, it's a much bigger deal now because when I was there, there was no 10A and 10B, so um, it, it it was just 10. So, yeah. um, there was no 10A and 10B. So, no, I've learned this through eye racing. Um, you got to throw away 10A because it, back in the day, you didn't need to get a lot of torque to get up the hill because you were doing whatever flat out you could do. Yeah. Now yeah. you've slowed down to maybe 40 miles an hour to get through 10A. And if you don't get enough good exit out of 10B, you are going to trudge up that hill like you got a sack of potatoes hanging off the back of your race car. And if if you don't get up that hill fast, you won't have enough speed going down 11 into 12 and then you're screwed going into one, right? Yeah, you, I couldn't have said it better. Yeah, you like almost got to slow in and fast out, you know, kind of slow in and through A and just get on up on that steering wheel through uh, 10B and 11 or 12. My bad. Where, where is where do you see people making the most mistakes at Road Atlanta? When Ooh. when you're following someone and you think, and I, th- this is where I think most people. This is where I, I I know how to do something here, or I've got a good line that I my, my path through here. When you see someone going through and kind of learning Road Atlanta, where where do you see them make the the most frequent mistake? Uh, breaking for me personally, I would say uh, I carry a, a wicked amount of speed through six. Mm-hmm. Uh, I figured that out by looking at data. Um, breaking, you got to be committed on the brakes. Like you got to go as deep as you can and in, into 10A, be committed. That's another area where I've, you know, really chewed up some people is just being, you know, threshold breaking and really getting it, you know, slowed down and, and peak distance and stuff like that. Um, and one, I think people are, People don't realize how much speed, you know, it's different and it varies for each class, but I don't think people really realize that there is a lot of commitment and a lot of rolling speed that you can carry in one. There really is. I mean, there's a little bit of, of banking in that, in that turn too. But then also if you go out too wide, you don't, you know, some, not something you want to do, but yeah, there's a smidge of banking, but yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of rolling speed in one. I also think the the two three complex is is tough to learn because it's blind. When you come up up over that hill, you, the first couple of times you're like, I don't even know where the racetrack is, you know. And then once you do figure out kind of where you want to go, um, it doesn't make sense. You're pointing at places with no sight lines there, and you really have to find just kind of by feel what the right line is to get you set up to head down towards the S's. I think you know Road Atlanta a little more than you gave yourself credit for, buddy. <laughs> I really do. That's because I've scared myself way too many times at Road Atlanta. It's easy to do, brother. Yeah. It's easy to do. All right. So, FE2, you're not running this weekend. Who who, who do you like in FE2? Who do you think is going to be strong this weekend? 
Uh, I give it to Franklin Fertrell. Okay. Um, Paul Schneider. And I like that Conzo kid. He's never been to Road Atlanta, but he's never been. He was never at VIR. And right. he led the runoff set. So, so he's a good, he's fast. And he's a good friend. Uh, he's a fun, he's a funny little kid. He's, he's, he's fun. Yeah. So yeah, I give it to Franklin Fertrell. Paul Schneider, if he brings his if he brings his A game like he did last year at Red Atlanta, he was he was he was fast. He was he was pretty fast. And Jason Conzo, as you know, um, Charles Russell Turner, who's always in the hunt. Sure. So you know those guys. You know those guys are all be you know in a dog fight up front. I believe. Yeah, Charles like Russell. See, as what's up? Charles Russell Turner's been at the front of every Super Tour he's been at this year. I know um, I've watched, I've watched. Yeah. So uh, it's kind of made me want to really get back in the car, but he's like, I said, I love all these guys. So it's like, you know, if you went over me, that sucks, but <laughs> you're still a brother. You're still a brother to me and I'll still, you know, I can shake your hair. We can, you know, hang out. Like, there's no love lost. It's good. It's beautiful. I like it. Good stuff. I love it. Good stuff. All right. Let's go through the schedule real quick for our live streams at road Atlanta. Um, this is all, of course, on the SEC official uh, uh, YouTube channel and also on SECA's uh, Facebook page. Uh, qualifying two starts at 1.50 p.m. on Friday. Greg Ginsburg will be on the call for that. Uh, and if you're around Friday, by the way, uh, Bailey, and you want to hop up to the broadcast booth and, and join Greg for a little bit, um, just stop on by. Um, we'd, we'd love to have you on the broadcast. To, I thought both. I thought both of you guys were going to be there, so definitely going to. Yeah, so he'll be solo on Friday. So if you want to stop up, that'd be awesome, especially for the FE2 um, session if you've got time. Um, so that's on Friday. And then Saturday, I joined Greg and uh, for qualifying two, which starts at 8.05 a.m. Eastern. And then racing starts at uh, 9.50 a.m. Eastern on Saturday. We'll get uh, four races in before lunch. Uh, Saturday afternoon, the races 5 through 8 will start at 1.25 p.m. Eastern. Of course, these times are always approximate, um, depending on lots of different factors, but that's what we shoot for. Sunday, two races before, they still do the quiet time at Road Atlanta, I found out. Um, So they're going to get two races in before quiet time, and that's at 8.05 a.m. And then on Sunday, uh, the uh, rest of the races, races 3 through 8, uh, we'll start up at 12.05 p.m. Eastern. That's our schedule, of course, the SECA official uh, YouTube channel, as well as the Facebook page. And uh, you can tune in for all that coverage. Greg will be uh, there with the qualifying on Friday, and then he and I will be there throughout the weekend. And I can't wait. I I, I, I wish I was going to be at Road Atlanta because, like I said, it used to be my home track when I was living in Atlanta. Um, but uh, we'll, we'll have fun calling the races from here while Greg's there having all the good times. So. Um, all right, so Bailey, stay with me. We're going to take a quick break, and then when we come back, um, we are going to talk about why you're not racing at Road Atlanta. Stay with us. This is Inside the SECA. We will be right back. And we're back inside the SCCA. Brian Bolanski out here in beautiful Pasadena, California. Bailey Monette. He is in Alpharetta, Georgia, just north of Hotlanta. You get north of the north of the perimeter, you don't have to deal with the traffic, right? 
Oh, the, well, it's weird here. We have, like, exit traffic. Like, there's no traffic <laughs> unless there's a ramp on or a ramp off. It's, it's cool. That's funny. That's funny. I, I That's one thing I, you know, it's funny. Everybody says, oh, the, the traffic in L.A. is awful. And I don't think it's any worse than any other big city. I really don't. Uh, the traffic in Atlanta is crazy. So um, so we're back. And uh, Bailey Manette's here. We just got done talking about Road Atlanta. A couple of other real quick uh, housekeeping uh, things before we go on to talk about some really exciting news that Bailey's going to share with us. Um, if you're going to be at the at the races this weekend, you want to give us some information so that Greg and I have stuff to talk about, uh, send us an email, supertouranouncers at gmail.com, supertouranouncers at gmail.com. Give us the 411 so we can talk about you, uh, and hopefully we'll, we won't talk about you just after you've driven off. We'll talk about you at some other times, too. Um, but, uh, that, that's always good. Um, also if you'd like to have in car for the, the, the live stream, uh, get in touch with the folks at, uh, the, uh, James Candelaria and, uh, and the Sentinel systems folks. Uh, I, I'm pretty certain they're going to be there and they've got some opportunities to get some cameras in your car. So give them a call, uh, or shoot them an email and, uh, we'll have their information in the show notes, uh, here as well. So check that out. All right, Bailey. You said it's bittersweet. I think it's awesome and exciting. Maybe it's a little bit of both. Um, you're not. You're not doing. Are you doing any SCCA this year? Uh, maybe. Okay. I doubt. Okay. We're pretty invested in this new deal. Okay. So tell tell us the new deal. I saw a little teaser on your Facebook page. What you got going on? Uh, so for the 2023 season, I'll be racing for Smooge Racing out of North Carolina. Uh, in the inaugural uh, Toyota GR uh, Cup North America series. Okay, so, so for for those of us who don't know what that series is, give us all the info. Okay, so it's a new spec car, steel motors, um, sequential transmission, uh, but it's the new GR eighty six. Um, but they put you know some wings in there and some data systems, you know, digital dash and all the fancy buttons and whatnot. But it's a new spec class that runs along SRO and will run weekends along SRO is, I guess, the sister sister series to it. And um, Toyota's behind it, Continental's behind it, SRO's um, obviously behind it. But it's uh, kind of like the MX-5, but definitely Toyota's deal. Um, and all the cars are spec and stuff like that with, you know, so, uh, a little bit of uh, setup changes that can be made, but sure. nothing major. So all, all ovals are they are they doing ovals and road courses? Uh, so we just do the road courses. Oh, okay. We, yeah, we start at Sonoma with SRO and you know Coda and Virginia. Great. The cool part is we go to Nashville. We uh, go to the streets of Nashville. Oh, so, so you'll be with the IndyCar weekend. We will be support series for IndyCar. So it will not be hard for you to make IndyCar look silly because they had such a, a carnage race last year at nashville and uh you know you, you won't have to do work hard to to keep the cars off the wall better than the indy car guys did yeah it was a tough race and so was their last race at st petersburg yeah first. a lot of stuff going on there so all right so moving on to this series you know while we're, we're sad that you won't be with us you know with the secca as much as you were last year um that's that's fine. Are you gonna are you gonna try to come back and defend? Because I think you can you get an invite at the runoffs even if you don't qualify, right? Because you're the past national champion. Yes, sir. You are correct, and I believe 
no promises, but I believe we are intending to at least do that, come back out and, and, you know, get back in the group with all those guys and get to hang out some more. And, uh, but yes, I believe we are going to try to defend that. Like I said, we won't do much leading up to it, but we definitely right. will you know, try to get out there. So the SRO gig, the Toyota gig, is, is that a, like a, um, how do you get a ride in that? Is that a, a scholarship type situation? What's the deal? So, um, with the recent successes in FE2, uh, my father's one of his really like lifelong friends is actually Tony Abe. Oh, really? And, oh, like lifelong friends, and um, they're like brothers. It's it's really cool. It's really neat. Um, but Tony was my advocate. Tony was like my spokesperson. He went. Um, he's like, hey, you know, I got an idea. You know, I have something that I may be able to work out. So. He, I guess, reached out to Kevin Conway and Smooge Racing because they ran the Toyota Supers and GT4, and they did really, really well. They're really accomplished and successful Toyota GT4 team. And so Kevin was uh, fielding four cars. Um, three of them were taken. And, you know, with the help and love from Tony Ave, he had talked to Kevin. They got me out there, and I met everybody. I met the drivers and family and Kevin and a bunch of good guys, you know, I'm, I'm glad that, you know, that's where I'm going to be. I feel like, I feel like home. I feel like that's going to be a successful um, team and path to go. Um, but yeah. So Tony Ave and Kevin Conway all kind of are, you know, bidding on me here. Nice. And I'm very, very grateful for it. That's fantastic. Tony was running sports 2000 way back in the day when I started out in spec at sports Renault up in Wisconsin, and uh, I always looked at him and said, that's kind of, he, he was so fast in those sports 2000s, and, and it's it's no surprise that he's still fast today in all of the hundred different things that, that he drives. Um, I can't even keep track of what he drives every race weekend. He, he's all over the place. So um, good, good people to have in your camp. Um, I'm real excited for you. You know, we're going to be watching that. Gives me gives me more of a reason to watch that series now. So um <laughs> If if Bailey Manette were to write a piece of paper and put it put it away and not look at it for 10 years and you could go back in 10 years and say, this is what I want to do in racing. What would you write in that piece of paper? Because we're going to we're going to keep following you and and, and 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 see if we can get you up that ladder. What, what, where we want to be in 10 years. Um. Well, everybody says Formula One and stuff like that. But honestly, uh, if I wrote a piece of paper, it would be to continue to climb the ladder and um, try to get to IMSA, you know, try to, you know, the Rolex, get that watch and stuff like that, petite Le Mans and stuff like that. You know, you know, since I'm 27 and 10 years, I'll be 37. So if we're thinking logically, you know, sports cars, endurance racing. Yeah. You know? Unfortunately, for all of us old people and you're nowhere near an old person. Uh, 27 is way too old to go and think about go, getting into Formula One, right? I mean, th those those folks who are, you know, the 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 the, the guys who have and gals, although we don't have any gals in Formula One, and we should. Um, uh, you've got to be in Europe racing in Formula Three, Formula Two, uh, Formula Formula Four, even Formula Ford Vauxhall, and all those series. You've got to be doing that when you're 16, 17, 18 years old if you have any thoughts of, of having any kind of career in Formula One. That's sad, but it's the, it's the reality, right? Absolutely. It is the reality, and and that's okay with me. Um, 
but yeah, like the, like you said, they like the young guys and young gals so they could shape mold, you know, and in, in the ways they like to. And, um, but yeah, so I just think logically it would be in, endurance racing. It would be sports car endurance racing, especially here in North America, like certain series are more popular than others. So IndyCar and IMSA, and I don't have enough tr- circle track to do NASCAR. So IndyCar and, and uh, IMSA. Sounds good. Sounds good. All right. So I, I, I've got, I, I know there are IMSA guys out there who watch the podcast and listen to the podcast. How do they get a hold of you when they want to put you in their car? Um, well, my email is pretty simple. It's Bailey Monette Racing. And uh, when I'm at the SRO weekends in India, I'm definitely going to be out there shaking hands and introducing myself. So I'm pretty sure I'll find them before they find me, <laughs> as hungry as I am. So it's it's Bailey Monette Racing at gmail.com okay all right very good so now that's one of the things you want to make sure that uh that we get you opportunities if we can that's one of the things i love to do on the podcast is introduce the racing world to you know young good racers or old good racers um and get and and give people the chance to have opportunities do you have any sponsors you want to thank before we say goodbye oh yeah i want to like i said i want to thank kevin i want to thank scca and i want to thank you for having me on here i want to thank my father I want to thank Optech, who's been sponsoring my racing up to this point, uh, Smooge Racing and Ave Motorsports. So everybody, those guys involved, have really just you know changed my life recently. So, well, it's been a pleasure to have you on the show. I, I think there's the sky is the limit for you. Um, and I, if there's ever anything you know, want to come and break news and and tell people what the next step is, you give me a call and uh, we'll get you back on the podcast. Sounds good. Thanks, Brian. I really appreciate you having me on here. I enjoyed it, man. I really did. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. That's going to do it for this week's episode of Inside the SCCA. If you like what you're watching and hearing, subscribe to the Racing Wire Podcast Network and the Racing Network on YouTube so you won't miss any episodes. It would also be great if you leave a comment, especially if it's a good one. If it's a bad one, put it on someone else's page. You can follow us on social media to find out who our next guest is. Leave a question on Twitter. It's RacingWireNet. There's a new Inside the SCCA every week. I'm Brian Belansky. Have yourself a fantastic weekend and go play with cars.